This is a Stimulus Network podcast. The Cosmic Shed. Hello and welcome to The Cosmic Shed. I'm Andrew and I've just heard about something quite incredible and I know you, as science fiction fans, will love this. Hi, my name is Emmeline Rodman and I am the founder of Screens of Matter. Uh, and I'm Owen Van Spore, and I am Emmeline's program advisor uh, on the Screens of Matter project. Okay, so I think the the most sensible question for me to ask now is what Screens of Matter, but I'm not going to ask that question until later because I've just heard you on BBC Radio Bristol, and you said you're going to be making a science fiction cinema in Bristol, right? Science fiction cinema in Bristol. That's where I live. Is it true? Yes, 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 yes. So in 2023, in the autumn of 2023, we hope to launch. Um, but that is going to happen. I've been planning it for about 10 years. And I'm finally, uh, last year, so 2021, decided what do I need to actually make this happen? And I wrote to the Watershed um, here in Bristol, um, which is an independent art cinema that's kind of um, got a bit of public funding. And and they basically said, get mentored by us and then we will get you there slowly. And one of the things they asked me to do was one film screening to, to prove there's demand for sci-fi in Bristol, which I'm doing this Sunday. Right, which is? Judge Dredd versus Dredd in the former IMAX in Bristol Aquarium. Very exciting. Very big screen and a lot of dread for your money. <laughs> yes. The cinema, right? Where's it going to be? I'm hoping in Broadmead, so dead in the centre. Because I'm really passionate about transport links. Um, as you know, Bristol is not great for bus transport. <laughs> it's a very car heavy city. You know, the cycling lanes are terrible. A lot of us live here. Very hard to get places. I think Broadmead's great because when I was a teenager, you know, you kind of hang around town and you kind of get off a bus and kind of linger places. And I really want my cinema to a place for different ages. So I think it's got to be central to be near the near the bus links and stuff. And at the moment, there's about 50 empty retail units in in Broadmead in the centre of Bristol and I would love to utilise one of those that's just gathering dust at the moment. Okay so how big is it going to be? I'd like at least 100 seats oh. to be sustainable around that size that's about the, the third screen of, of the of the watershed we have here in Bristol so yeah about 100 150 max. Okay and you've got a business plan so how many screenings a year are we talking? So I want to do two a month right? Um, so I can cover my overheads, make sure my staffing costs aren't too high, but yet still keep people interested in the program and still keep people coming and being members. Obviously, I'd have to have a daytime operation, have some revenue streams, I don't know, coffee, maybe selling some graphic novels and then re renting it out privately to parties and things like that if, if I can do that. But really, yeah, two screenings a month, but a very good tight program. And yeah, just hoping people enjoy the space, decorating it in a very odd way. So it just feels like one of those classic bars you see in those things like Star Wars, where you just think, yes, I want to go to that bar and talk to that alien with four eyes or whatever you know amazing but I, dream yeah no it sounds absolutely delightful august next year right is that what we said autumn mm. yeah autumn. autumn so the month yeah autumn is the is the aim because summer is not great for cinema and i need the spring to do the crowdfunder so the premises i'm hoping to secure in january february and then i'll do a crowdfunder to pay for the projector and the seats and that is it really all i need okay so 
have you got your eye on one particular spot or are you open oh that would be telling yeah. that would be telling but yeah there's a few shops that i've been in discussion with it's just getting that agreement that i can do a community project in there for at least a year in order to prove that there's you know i, I want to be funded beyond that year and i think once i prove that there's an audience and i've got a membership going then i can secure more funding possibly from the arts council or similar um to just keep it going really um so, yeah. And is that what Screens of Matter is? It is a so it's a community interest company. Um, so that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a community led cinema. And I'm really hoping to develop like a steering group this well over like six months of people to help me keep it going. Um, I've been an event manager for about 16 years. Uh, I don't do any more. I lecture in it for a job. Um, but so I know how to run spaces. I know how to do ticketing, all that stuff, licensing. But I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about people that decide the films and decide how it should look and feel and, and how to engage with it. So I've very much want lots of people to buy into it i've already had seven people join the um, steering group um which has been really good and they're really passionate so um i'm really confident it's going to be a community-led sci-fi home for the weird oh awesome that sounds absolutely delightful uh, what if i turned up and i said i really want to see star wars would you put it on Star Wars isn't that cheap to license. It depends, you know. Um, but yeah, I will never say no to Star Wars. You know, it's a bit like Space Odyssey. It's not a dirty word. You know, you could still screen that. You could still screen the first Alien film. It's just, you've got to think about it as a program. We've got another season coming up, which I can't release uh, the details of too much at the moment because um, it hasn't been released. But it's in. It's going to be in about April, four Sundays. All of the Sundays in April is going to be a sci-fi season. And it's going to have some kind of themes around um, the built environment, uh, low lo-fi kind of technology British filmmaking so really strong themes for each Sunday um, so that's what we're passionate about is the program and that's where Owen comes in because he is the brain of programming I mean with um, with this project uh, as Emmeline said um, as great as Star Wars is the I think that the, the at least for a part of the cinema's operation it will be theme led and obviously it's like four-dimensional chess because it's great to start when this is one one thing that Emily and I had had a lot of stress and fun and learning with is the four dimensional chess game of balancing your theme, availability of films, likely box office success um, and uh, our own knowledge about them. You have to balance those four things out and then like whittling away like the proverbial sculptor until you end up with something uh, that hopefully is what what you're looking for. And that doesn't sound like very romantic, but that's how film programming works. You you can't just start with an idea. You have to start with the idea, your own knowledge, the availability and your audience all at once. You can't start with one and then the other. You start with all four. Uh, and we, it was a lot of emails, a lot of Google Sheets. Um, and I think Emmeline enjoyed, uh, maybe I should not speak for, for the lady, but I think Emily enjoyed learning about the sort of detective game that film licensing is. Um, and as you know, uh, we could talk about this because obviously Judge Dredd is now on so It's not a secret that Judge Dredd and Dredd are our films. But I think we can take credit for discovering who was the license holder for Judge Dredd, the 1995 version in the UK market, because we were coming up zero. Um, the company that originally released it no longer exists. Their catalogue, I heard on some Wikipedia bookmark, was Disney. Disney, after much investigation and nagging, and you know, all credit to them for, for, for doing this. I mean, obviously, you know, it's in their interest to do it, but it's just one film, one one film society for one film club. They found out actually we'd had they had bought the rights. They just had never deployed them. 
And so they uh, updated their records, they updated their third party licensing agents records, and we were able to get a film license. And we're probably the only cinema that's done that post its original release in 1995. The only other time you've been able to see this film has been on DVD and Blu-ray on small screen. So that's another, that's one thing which I I think Emmelyn tapped me for is how to play sort of detective. Um, Because, you know, films are copyrighted material. Uh, You can't just play them uh someone has to get paid and someone has to give you permission um you could try it on and sneakily do it anyway but uh we're not doing that so um i'm I'm very uh proud of the effort we put in and and the success we had in that um it feels like it it sounds really geeky but this is what this is about it's like a real milestone it's like we brought judge dread back to the uk so well done (laughs) i mean i i i didn't know and i don't mean this in a as rudely as it sounds, but I didn't know we needed to bring it back. Right? <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't wrong answer, something wrong I, answer. I know, I know, but I, it, this is largely because I haven't, I don't remember ever seeing it. And, and that's upsetting to That's me. why we're doing it because 25 years, the, the memory needs to be refreshed yeah. and things are always being reevaluated. I mean, I sent Emily some program notes for this. And I included a little quote. I won't, won't spoil it because we want people to read these program notes, but I'll paraphrase, you know, when we look, you know, a comic book resources essay, look back on the film and, and found some elements, you know, worthy of praise, particularly when it comes to, you know, trying to you know approach the tone of some of the more outre Judge Dredd comics. And they had quite a bit of praise for the film's boldness in that regard that was perhaps overlooked at the time when, People were just criticizing an already stale sort or perceived stale Sylvester Sloan body comedy vehicle. And fans who wanted even harder levels of authenticity were getting angry, as they always do. But you know, bless them. Um, so there's always time for reevaluation. And seeing it in a crowd, I think, bypasses a lot of your your negativity because you're there, you're laughing, you're cheering. I I I spend a lot of time in the Prince Charles you know, cult genre repertory cinema in London, and I've watched I mean, I don't know how many times I've watched, like, you know, um, I don't know the Naked Gun or something there or whatever. Uh, the Room mm-hmm. <laughs> with Tommy Wiseau. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how many times you watch it. A crowd bypasses a lot of, you know, uh, I think negativity because yeah. it's that communal. You're communally loving it. Or you're communally hating it. And sometimes the two things feel the same. Yeah, I, I don't, you know. I'm joking, really. I don't, mean, I don't mean to be negative about <laughs> it. But what? So, dread then. But is it is that good? I don't remember seeing that. Did, have you seen Attack the Block? Yeah, it's very similar to the violence of that. Oh, okay, 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 right. It's often compared to that because it's kind of loose. It, it has quite a lot of block scenes with lots of shootouts and or the um, raid, the raid that um, yeah, or the raid, yeah, Indonesian uh, high octane um, martial arts. Uh, Thriller, um, yeah. which ironically came out at the same time, yet the two films had no connection. But like buses, these things tend to come up and form a wave. Um, mm. Dread, uh, I mean, it's not science, but if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, one film has a very high score, one doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Dread, Dread, Dread has a score about four <laughs> times, back to a four higher. Okay. So, uh, I mean, uh, it's not the be all and end all of how to judge a film's quality, but uh, I've read enough fan reviews and critic, you know, dismissive critic reviews to know that that Dread does have the critical acclaim. Um, it doesn't, didn't have the box office, uh, but many a film has gone in that rabbit hole and emerged shining, you know, like Blade Runner. 
for example. Mm. So, um, but no, it was well received. Um, I personally think it's one of the best uses, although we won't be able to, to showcase this, it's one of the best uses of 3D ever, which is ironic given that it's <laughs> red uh, and a tiny budget. But um, it's now best known not just for being, um, you know, the second take and the more critically acclaimed and fan loved take on the character, but uh, an early project, not an early project, but uh, a miles, uh, milestone project for Alex Garland, of course, the um, writer and now writer-director, uh, whose most recent work was, of course, Men and uh, the TV show Devs. Um, he is a hardcore Dread fan and was the sole credited screenwriter on this. Although, of course, credit to John Wagner and Carlos Oscara for the original character. And they worked on the, they worked, well, John Wagner at least worked on Dread with Alex Garland. So, and it's widely regarded now as a Garland film. Um, even though he wasn't officially the director. So. That sounds lovely. Well, you've sold it to me. You've sold both of them to me. Uh, <laughs> and I think uh, to everybody listening. So if people are, are there still tickets available? There must be one or two, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a big old space. It's a 300-seater. So, um, you know, d- there are tickets available. And we, we'd love to, you know, everyone that buys a ticket, that money just goes straight into the the, the, the cinema for next year, the actual longer-term project. Um, I have been partially funded. Did. I, I want to say that you know over this um so those film film hub southwest um has funded part part of this screening and they're through the watershed and that was to develop new audiences so um i've been really lucky with that that's enabled me to do it in this big space um and you know have a little bit of budget for decoration have a bit of budget for licensing and um they've just been so supportive and amazing so i'm just really lucky i'm, I'm bringing all my friends together this sunday people are coming from all over the country to help me set up and sell donuts and posters and just you know talk about the future project and uh, we've got a great guest speaker as well um we, we're just so so chuffed with him uh, the guest speaker and i would like to take this opportunity to thank thank him is uh, mark digby who was the production designer on uh, dread and is a very close collaborator with alex garland has worked on uh many projects with him including ex machina annihilation and devs so that is quite a track record uh, and he's very kindly going to come and do an introduction slash Q and A with me. Uh, and uh, this is this is sort of my bread and butter is is getting because I'm the guy with the IMDb Pro account <laughs> funded by my real job. So uh, no, we um, we uh, we were looking right from the start to to get guest speakers. And I think that this particular kind of movie, a a, a adaptation of a visual medium. Uh, where there's a lot of iconography which fans expect and demand. Um, it suits having a production designer as one of the guests. I think that there's there's some of the most interesting people you could talk to. Um, you know, in the absence of Judge Dredd being a real person, we can we can talk to about uh, kicking in doors and 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 being authoritarian. Um, I'd like to talk to the guy who designed the world uh, and why choices were made. I mean, you know, uh, comic book movies involve choices like every other film, but there's a particular audience that requires a particular finesse when it comes to creating the look and the aesthetic of a comic book movie. And um, filmmakers are aware of this, you know, they've been aware of this for a long time, you know, like the choices you make and how you market them uh, present a lot of challenges for a production designer. And I'm really keen to hear what Mark has to say. Uh, And yeah, he's been very generous with his time. Uh, There'll be some other things going on, which I think Emily would like to talk to maybe talked about or maybe not spoil some of the little extras or maybe not. I don't okay. know. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm going to hold some stuff There's back. There's a lot more than a movie, and that was Emmeline's intention right from the start, and I really responded to that. Um, you know, I as a film programmer for my cinema, um, 
you know, it's not enough really to put films on anymore, especially in today's world of streaming. Um, you can boast a 4K screen, 7.1 sound, but I'm always on the lookout for Q&As, live scores, short films, um, archive material, um, eccentric hosts. You know, I've done a fair bit in my time as a programmer over the last five, six, seven, eight years. So um, Emily and I are on the same wavelength with that. And um, yeah, it took a while. Uh, I was in... Remain. I was in Transylvania at the time when I got an email from Mark saying, oh, yeah, I'm interested. I'm traveling through Sicily right now. And I was like, oh, well, I'm in Transylvania. Let's do it. So <laughs> what were you doing there? Was, uh, uh, on, uh, Emily didn't send me there. Like, I was there voluntarily <laughs> on, <laughs> on holiday. No, it, um, it, I was on holiday and Mark was on his holiday, but he very kindly, like I said, took the time to say, yes, I'll do it. You know, um, yeah, so you get that. Uh, a look behind, a real look behind the scenes if you come and see Dread and that sounds absolutely brilliant. Good work on getting such a good guest. Uh, I love science fiction and I have loved science fiction for a very long time. One of the main reasons I love it is as an escape from reality. Um, I notice in your notes here that it says that Emmeline is proudly neurodiverse and that science fiction provides you with a place of solace. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I've always had a very busy brain. I've always done a lot of projects. I've been very connected to my community and doing lots and lots of things. And as I've got grown older, kind of you know, approaching 40 now, I just it, it, it became really overwhelming last year. And I didn't know why, because I've always been incredibly busy, always enrolled in a course or doing something. So I just I just wanted someone to help me with that. And I kind of got assessed for a few things. I thought I might have autism and I, I didn't didn't have autism. So they assessed me for ADHD and they said I was about kind of an eight or nine on the on the on the scale of, of ADHD. Um, and they said women are really, un, really under, undiagnosed because um, we're, we're stereotypically seen as kind of um really good kind of multitaskers um and it just i'm not a fan of labels i don't think any of us need labels we all have interesting brains and we do interesting things with them but it does give you adjustments and it gives you understanding of of how you can kind of function in society happily and more comfortably and i've never thought that watching film to relax your brain was just something that you know not everyone did you know so when I, I you know I've spoken to so many people and they'll say what are you doing tonight I'm watching a film but you watched it yesterday well I watch a film every day there's just I that is what I do and it just calms me there's nothing nothing can calm my brain I love everything you know the music the cinematography just the experience you know I almost miss like getting the VHSs out of the box and rewinding them and you know, all that stuff but the collective watching a film in a cinema as you can't you cannot get that at home with, you know, the streaming services, you, you know, that is a fantastic experience and it just makes me so happy. And, you know, I, now I've really come to say that like, I need, I like clinically need film in my life now and I'm going to keep protecting it. Um, and I want to make spaces for it. And, and that's what the cinema is going to be. It's going to be this kind of lovely bubble of weird people that can come and watch film together and, and talk about it endlessly at the end. There'll be no, uh, mm. you know, closing time, really. We could just talk and talk God knows when. But um, yeah, I'm Ugh. really interested in, in the relaxing, amazing sci-fi bubble of wonder. That is utterly brilliant. Um, thank you for doing it. And in my city as well. What a brilliant thing that is. I can't wait. This podcast has um, been going a long time. And we did some sci-fi screenings in Bristol in the planetarium with uh, our good friend, 
Timon Singh. Yes. Speaking of eccentric hosts. He's, he's a great guy. Uh, isn't he? Um, yeah. for, <laughs> we did... Um, we did Tron. So I've always wanted to do a double bill of Tron and Tron Legacy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Tron Legacy underrated, I believe. Uh, that's a film that needs to be seen in IMAX. Uh, great, great soundtrack by Daft Punk. So, all right, we'll add it to the list. Thanks. <laughs> if you would. Tron and Tron Legacy yeah, yeah. is then yeah. okay. Uh, um, I just, you know, I I think it'll yeah, just people, be people can come in. Uh, people can come in strip light, luminous. Yeah, exactly. Dump. That's what I was thinking oh. of doing, but it, basically the um, the planetarium cost wise, because the number of seats and the cost of the planetarium, you can't have a double bill really, because it, it doesn't work. You have to charge people far too much to watch Tron. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can charge them a bit more to watch Tron Legacy, but not Tron. Well, this is how we feel the dreads. People say that they're like, "Well, you know, do you? How yeah. do you price the dreads separately?" And like, we're not trying to do that. It's interesting you mentioned about um, that screening space because I started this project a year ago with the kind of watershed funding, looking at spaces in Bristol for just a sci-fi, you know, a space that could be adapted to be like sci-fi esque. And it ended up being like an accessibility project because like there was so many venues that had absolutely no wheelchair access, didn't have like just the basic requirements of their building. And it was only like three buildings I realized you could actually do film in. So Watershed with wheelchair access, Watershed, uh, Bristol Beacon and the Arnolfini. Like these were the only three, so that's why when the I thought about the IMAX, I thought oh, it was fantastic access because it's a it's a visitor you know it's a visitor attraction. Um, but that you know I just can't believe we don't have more accessible venues to screen film. It's shocking, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, I tell you what, just 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 as a if it all goes wrong in Broadmead at the end of my road here, there's an old like corner shop supermarket. It was Morrison's then co-op. Um, Please, it's uh, it would be a lovely cinema. I mean, is it that one on the corner on Gloucester yeah, Road? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I vibe that up. I vibe that yeah. up. Yeah, I've got a list in my head yeah. of the things that could be cinemas. Yeah, yeah. that could yeah. totally be a cinema. Yeah, it's a lovely corner building. The problem is, um, as you may know, with cinemas, it's very loud. So it has the same problems as live music, which Bristol has had historic problems with, with new flat developments going up, and then these poor little music venues, these grassroots venues being pushed out because they make too much noise. Um, so cinema has the same problem. I get offered shops quite a lot via email, and I say, I'm sorry, there's a flat above it, so I can't play a film there without having loads and loads of soundproofing that is incredibly expensive. So it's really quite hard to house cinema and do it well. And yeah, you know, I think, you know, we'll see what Broadmead brings. It may be somewhere else, but I, I just think we need something in the heart of the city. Um, I live, you know, in the north of the city and the transport links are so, so bad that I'm going to have to move next year. I can't do it anymore. Um, it, they're just unusable and it just makes me feel so sad. Just getting to the cinema is like an hour on a bus just to go three miles down the road. I don't, it's shocking. Yeah, no, it is. Well, a bit, 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 bit longer for me. It's going to take me three hours, but uh, I'm London based. Yeah. So, but that leads me on, that leads me on to a bit of praise for Emmeline's now home city in that it has been good for me to, to discover this city and, and some of the, a little flavor of the culture. I mean, I'm not going to pretend for a second. I'm, I'm a native to Bristol or I'm even close to it, but Finding the IMAX has been a real gem as someone who's sort of interested in a way in, I mean, I, I work in cinemas, obviously I'm interested in cinemas as, as structures, as community centres, as 
you know places of historical interest and you know the fact that the bristol imax has come into this is is just sort of poetic really it does have a very strange and 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 sort of funny history um you know the, the fact that there is an imax in bristol just lying spare is, is just so odd but some just so suitable for, mm. for this venue that is yeah. about oddness so that's no, a beautiful yeah. hail the odds yes i like that Hail Put it on a mug. Yeah, or a t-shirt. Yeah. That's good. I am beside myself with excitement about this. It is a brilliant, brilliant idea. And it's not just Owen who's going to be travelling to come to this cinema, not just on Sunday, but for, for years to come, I think. People will make this a destination. So sci-fi fans surely will come from all over the place to the first sci-fi cinema in the world. I'm hoping globally. Just as yeah. long as Emmeline, just as long as Emmeline keeps reimbursing my travel, I'll keep. <laughs> I'll keep coming. Sure. Yeah. What... You know, Bristol to London. You know, it's uh, not, it's not it. No, it's uh, it's worth the it's worth the trip. It really is. I'm really excited. Um, I spend a lot of time in London too much, really. So, um, you know, there are other cinemas. There are other people who deserve to see cinema other than Londoners. So. Yeah, boo to London. But I was at um, Bristol yeah. Con um, just a couple of weeks ago, which is kind of a, a, a science fiction literature festival, Bristol Con in Bristol. And uh, I could not believe the amount of people that came from Kent, parts of Wales, the Midlands, the North, just to go to this convention because there was nothing in the Southwest that was anything like it. And they were just like, because I wasn't selling anything. I just had a stall about the concept of the cinema. Would they support it? Any feedback they had? And they were like, of course, I'd go yeah. to this like frequently. Of course, I drive across the country to come and see a sci-fi film every single month if I was a member. So there was this definite, like, obvious demand for it when I was speaking to everyone that was interested. And I just think I've tapped into something that hopefully, you know, it will have a strong following and hopefully a global one. I hope we'll get some people over from America and Canada and beyond, you know, be quite exciting. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you will. Also bringing back the old top, the old double bill tradition. I don't know if we'll always do that. I mean, that's going to be Emmeline's choice, but you know, double bills or at least one main feature, one secondary feature were the the norm once. Now it's mostly repertory cinemas that do it, or you know, occasional one offs. In um, like my cinema does it occasionally, but it, it's a lot of screen time, it's a lot of money, it's a lot of license fee. But this this very much uh, is central to the this particular strand is put the two films up against one another. You know, it's what the fans do. Fans like comparing things, but, you know, they like putting things that don't belong together together just for the hell of it. Or they put things that are, you know, uh, you know, praiseworthy and enraging together, you know, and what better to do that if you're a fan of something than two comic book, two films taking a different take on the same source material. Did they both get it right? Did one get it right? Did one get it wrong? What does that even mean? You know, should we fight over it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or should we yeah, go to yeah. the pub? So um, that spirit was really animating, like, you know, uh, this, yeah. I think. Oh, it's a know. brilliant thing. So if people do want to get tickets for Sunday, how do they do that? They can go on Head First, the Bristol Independent Ticketing Agent, or screensofmatter.com. There's two, way there, two ways there, um, and it's really easy there. I think I'm going to keep ticket sales on till at least kind of 10 a.m. on the Sunday, so people have plenty of time. But please do spread the word if you're listening to this, because as I said, every ticket sold, you know, I don't keep that money. It goes in the little, um, you know, charity account, and it's just to get that cinema going next year. Um, so it really, I've been so blessed. The amount of tickets we sold already, I've been like, you know, just elated, and I've met some amazing people through this project and i just can't can't wait for the momentum to keep coming in, in the new year when i do the the kind of crowdfund for the projector so um so yeah please do buy ticket headfirst.com the bristol ticketing agency or screensofmatter.com okay and if people can't come on sunday but want to support the cinema what do they do 
again, if you just go on screensofmasters.com, you can either email me. There's only one email on there or follow follow me on socials because everything will be on there. Um, I am Bristol-based. Always happy to meet people in a coffee shop and talk endlessly about sci-fi and my love of sci-fi. Um, I'm probably going to try and do something Star Trek-based um, in January or February just to keep everyone warm, do something to do with Star Trek because I need to get Star Trek in there. That's my big thing. Um, so pre-warning Owen there. He doesn't know about that yet. Mm-hmm. Oh. All right. Okay, I'll get to work <laughs> yeah. on that. Just, uh, just lots of Star Trek. Um, uh, can, can it can it be easier than finding the license for hopefully, Judge Dredd? Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. We did we so, did um, Wrath of Khan and First Contact in the Planetarium back in the day, and yeah, it was easy, easy enough to get those. Well, they've just been remastered in 4K. My cinema actually did a double bill oh, of them. Really? So uh, there's op- there are options. There's many ways to do Star Trek at the moment. So. Yeah, which what which ones would you do? I mean, these aren't necessarily the ones you're going to do, but if you had the choice right now, what would you do? Um, well, I'd do all the ones that are the continuous story in the original Trek, which is Star Trek's one all the way through to four. Really, that's kind of one. Oh no, it's really two to four, isn't it? Two, three, and four are essentially the same story. So I'd call it the I don't know what would you what what would you call it the uh. It doesn't really have one. It's just like the, it's the same story, basically. Like, you know, so just do it as a six hour marathon, you know, sell loads of donuts, get people to like, you know, put Spock ears on. Uh, we think of, of a name for that story arc, the three story arc, where it's basically the the man love between Kirk and Spock, isn't it? It's really the Spock saga, really, isn't it? It's, you know, the love of, of of a commander and his and his captain. So we'd call it something like that, you know, lean into that, I think. So... Well, actually, no, it will be Emily's choice. Sorry, it will be whatever she says, tells me to do. Well, so. when you were talking there about the dread rights being so hard to get, um, I, you know, my dream is to be able to show television and television is notoriously hard. You know, I want the Twilight Zone, I want the Outer Limits, I want X-Files. And these things are hard to get because TV is traditionally just not screened in cinema spaces. So that is an ongoing project that I'm hoping this cinema will be able to highlight and people will be able to approach me and say, I've got the rights, you know, so I can show some TV. Oh, I've got some interesting information for you on that front that might improve your day. There are ways. My cinema actually does screen television material. We were a TV studio back in the day, so it can be done. Uh, just don't ask me to try and license Twin Peaks because I tried that and I lost about a year of my life <laughs> back in Twin He's bitter. He's very bitter about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Twin Peaks is, is a no-no. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, right. Have you, have you seen... Oh God! The, my of course, childhood. of course, no. Ziggy. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I know you've seen this, right? R.I.P. Dean R.I.P. Yeah. Have you seen the reboot that's happened? No, and I'm not interested. Uh, maybe I should be a bit more. It's not actually a reboot. No, it's a continuation. It's a continuation. Sorry, just continuation. For, for people who are listening and can't see, I'm holding up a box set of Quantum Leap. That's what we're talking. A massive box set. Is that all of it? Yeah. Yeah. So it was five seasons. Yeah. I've got um, feels like longer. It feels like it was fifty years. I know it did. It was always there. It was always, 50 there. always there. Perfect years. Was, I yes. love that. It show. was always there, getting in the way of homework. Right, that's what this this thing was doing. So my daughter's eleven now, and I thought she can't be eleven and not have seen this. So I bought it. That's what happened. It's important. Oh, it's just beautiful, isn't it? Listen, I feel like we could talk about science fiction for a very long time. I suspect we will. Indeed, yeah. I suspect we will. Well, I know Emily. In a cinema, so. not too far from my home. 
in the future. But uh, thank you so both so much for um, not only doing this, but joining me for this episode of the Cosmic Shed. No, the uh, the pleasure was mine. And like I said, uh, I just want to take the opportunity to say, you know, how impressed I am with Emmeline's drive and devotion to this. I I think two, three years ago, she told me this. And I was like, I've got this idea. And I was like, oh, here we go. Uh, but I know Emmeline does not let ideas just sit there. They, they tend to get taken forward. And um, it's not, even with the best will in the world, it's hard to make a project get to this point. It's it, no matter if, even if everything falls in line, you know, but um, you're never definitely going to even get to first base without like, you know, determination and, and Emmeline's got that. So it's been nice to be part of a project, you know, a, a, a dream, a daydream that actually became real. I don't see enough of that. You know, I let about 90% of ideas never go anywhere in my job. So, yeah. I think that's what sci-fi is about, though. It's about like the aspirations beyond society and our plans, planetal norms is what I try to tell people. So I try and think beyond our um, our planet when I try and plan things. And I work incredibly hard. <laughs> and I hope people will see that if they come along on Sunday. And if they can't make it, just just make a contact with me through the website and we'll have a nice chat somewhere. But thanks so much for having us on. Um, it's just nice to talk. Thank you so much to Emmeline and Owen for talking to me. And I know wherever you are in the world, you will be making your way to that cinema when it comes online. And I hope many of you will be there on Sunday. And we'll be back very soon with an episode on sharks and whale sharks, particularly. And thank you very much for listening. The Cosmic Shed. Science fact. Science fiction. And everything in between. This podcast is brought to you by the Stimulus Network. <laughs>